Welcome back, everyone, to episode 25 of Meet Us at Molly's. I'm your host. I'm My name is Bryna. With me, as always, is Gina. Hello. And Ashley. Hi, everybody. And tonight we're going to be talking about Chicago Med 304. Um, the title of the episode is Naughty or Nice, I think. I don't have it written down. Sorry. My apologies. That That's right, right? right. That's Naughty. Right. <laughs> Naughty or Nice? Oh, we're already off to a great start, guys. Um, <laughs> But as always, we're going to talk about the news first. And guys, for it being so close to the holiday season, I mean, and Hanukkah's already started, we've gotten so much news since the last time we recorded. I mean, it was just like Monday started and it was just like, oh, new article, new this, new promo photos, new this, new that. So we're just going to jump right in because we have a lot to talk about. Um, So the first thing that came down the pipeline was there's an article from TV Guide. And the title of it is, is... is there romance ahead for Halston and Upton, Halstead and Upton on Chicago PD? And pretty much the only, I mean, it's kind of just like a trying to anticipate and get it hyped up for when PD comes back in early January. But I mean, it's pretty much just a couple quotes from Rick Eade saying that like, you know, it's possible. And like, for now, things are good with them being partners. But like, that doesn't mean things can't turn that way and like, blah, 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 blah. So, what do you guys think? Like, what did you guys think when we first saw this article? Do you guys see that going this way? Or, like, what are, what are your thoughts? I think at this point, these articles are clickbait. Because oh, yeah. they keep coming down and they keep saying, mm, I don't know, it could happen. Well, yeah, it could always happen. Stop making us, like, stop with the headline that gets us all up in arms and then makes us click and then it's, like, a big letdown. Stop doing that. It's total clickbait. And I mean, I'm sure eventually Halstead and Upton are going to get together because of course they are. Not that I want to see it happen, but not for a while if it's going to happen. Ashley? I don't want to see it happen at all. Yeah. No, me either. I'm with Ashley. I don't want to see it happen at all. I think they're great partners. But I also think, and I'd have to go back and like actually look in this and actually check on it, but I feel like the last time we saw an article that like was talking about the same thing I swear those Ricky quotes are the same quotes from whatever like I don't know if it was a TV guide article that I'm thinking about but I swear those Ricky quotes sounded so familiar and maybe he just says the same thing and the words just change but like I could have sworn it was like deja vu I swear I read that earlier right which goes to to show how redundant these articles are and like we know, because, I mean, we're going to talk about the episode description for 510, like, which is the episode, PD's ep- first episode back. And, like, that, that's not even something that's going to come up anytime soon. So, like, why are we talking about it? Exactly. Like, what I want to be talking about is Ruzik. Or if I want to talk about Halstead, I want to be talking about this, like, Halstead and Camilla stuff, like, you know, or his downward spiral or whatever. Like, all of it's tied together. But, like, that's what I want to be talking about because that's what we're going to see when we come back, not – something that we might not see even this season like it's stupid but that was just something from tv guide i don't want to see it ever either but it's kind of like burgess and roman that it's there so they're just gonna do it for the sake of it oh don't you know what i mean mean, yeah god i hope not i hope if they do i hope it's like 
a drunken kiss and then they realize, oh, we're not going to go there. Like, nope, none of that sounds good. Not even a drunken kiss sounds good. It doesn't sound good, but like, I hope if like they're going to do it, it's like a one scene thing. And like, then they realize, oh, nope, we can't go there. And then like, that's it. Kind of like Janice and Ian at the end of Mean Girls when they kiss and they're like, eh, no, gross. <laughs> yeah, something very similar to that. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, so the next thing we got was um, Marilyn did an interview with One Chicago Center. Um, I was just looking back over it. There wasn't a whole lot of, like, I'd say any, like, hot takes or anything, like, really newsworthy. But it was nice to, like, she talked about a little bit about maybe getting to see Maggie's, like, more of her personal background. Because she's one of the characters we don't know a whole lot about this season. Um but there wasn't anything really newsworthy, but we'll send we'll tweet out the link so that you guys can read it as well. Um, but then we got episode descriptions for every single episode when we come back that first week of January. So, Ashley, why don't you talk about those a little bit? Okay, Fire 607 is called A Man's Legacy, and Brett attempts to make a life-saving decision in the field to someone near and dear to the Firehouse family. In an effort to impress Lily, Otis scrambles to get everything together for the grand opening of Molly's North, and Bowden, Bowden becomes emotional following the rescue of a famous blues player from a burning apartment building, and Dawson struggles to come to terms with how she was, how she has been dealing with her father. I have a question here. Okay, so the first time I read this, I was like, okay, Brett attempts to make a life-saving decision, and I figured this had to do with Ramon, but... It sounds like they're kind of distinguishing it. So someone near and dear to the Firehouse family is definitely not Ramon. So who do we think this could be? Are they going to put the chaplain back in mortal peril again? <laughs> I mean, I guess you could argue that, like, the Firehouse family, I mean, technically Ramon, obviously he's Gabby's father. He's Casey's father-in-law. You could even throw if you're talking about the bigger firehouse family, like Antonio kind of fits in there being that like he hangs out with all of them a lot. So like, I mean, you could argue that it's Ramon, but I guess the near and dear to firehouse family's heart is like what kind of throws that off too. But literally the chaplain's the only person I can think of. Yeah. I don't know. I doubt they're. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I think it has to be Ramon though, just because of like, I don't know. I just think based on like how 606 ended, I just like that's my like who like you said, I feel like the chaplain would be so out of left field. Yeah. I don't know. Just a theory. Yeah. I'm excited for the Lily and Otis stuff, though. Yeah. She's adorable, even if she looks exactly like Katie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But Otis needs some loving. It's about time. For real. Okay, Ashley, why don't you talk about PD? Okay, we also got PD episode 10, which is called Rabbit Hole, and that's Halstead's parting with Camilla's unintentional put parting with Camilla intentionally puts him in the middle of a drug-related homicide. He's forced to choose between loyalty to his unit and his girl. Like, um, <laughs> and Void finally discovers the mole in his unit, and we also got the promo photos for that episode. The promo photos are something. Have you guys looked at them? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, or not Voight. Jay is cuddling up on Camilla. There's a lot of shots of Upton and Voight sitting in a car together. Yeah, that was weird. 
Yeah. That I was like, what? Yeah, and then there's one shot of Upton and Voight, like, talking to Jay. And so I think this might be the episode where everything comes to a head. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to, like, throw something out there. I was on her, what's her name? It's her name, Annabelle. What's her name? Annabelle Costa. I was on her Instagram, Uh and she posted a picture, and she's in, like, a jail cell. Does it have anything to do with PD? Like, did she hashtag it Chicago PD? Yeah, Tracy took the picture. Oh. She, like, posted the picture (laughs) caption that had Tracy on it. So maybe she's going to be a suspect in this case. I mean, it's gotta be. Okay, here's my first two thoughts, though. So first, when I see the thing, like, he's forced to choose between loyalty to his unit and his girl, it's almost like a redo of the Burgess episode. Like, Burgess literally just went through the same thing of, like, having to pick her loyalty between the the unit and Matt Miller. As did Ruzik. He had to choose between his family and the unit. Right, exactly. I mean, more just, like, in terms of, like, romantic relationship, it's literally a carbon copy of Burgess. But, yeah. Like, everyone's picking between loyalty between the unit and his girl. Then the second thing I noticed was, I swear that line, Voight finally discovers the mole in his unit, is the exact same one they used in 509. It is. So it's literally two episode descriptions in a row. They've literally said the same thing. And now we all know that that wasn't really true in 509. I mean, in the last, like, minute it is, but, like, not really. They they made it seem like we were going to find out Voight we were going to see Voight find out within, like, the first 15 minutes, and that wasn't true. But so now I'm like, oh, is Voight really going to discover? Which, obviously, we know he did. But, like, is Voight really going to deal with this? Who knows? Maybe it's a misdirect and somebody else is the mole. But then again, my Halstead (laughs) theory was a big fat load of nothing, so I should probably just be quiet. Yeah, but I think the... I think a lot of people on the internet were kind of freaking out about the Halstead stuff, and... I think it's just kind of going to be, we need to wait and see how it plays out. Um, But, I mean, I highly doubt he's going to choose Camilla over the unit, but that also can set up an interesting storyline with his downward spiral spiral if he does. Um, But who knows? I think it's just going to be best if we let it play out, though. Yeah, let's touch on this Halstead craziness for a minute, because, I mean, Twitter is just blowing up every time Jesse Lee Soffer comes within, like, five feet of Annabella Costa. Twitter just explodes. Like... Yeah. Like, calm down. <laughs> yes, calm down. Erin is long gone. Long gone. Unfortunately, and, but, like, she's got long gone. Yes, and we've seen how Jay treats somebody he's in love with. Clearly, he is not in love with this woman. He's He's, you know... And we discussed this at length in our group chat the other day. He is basically looking for companionship. And if he's not even looking for companionship, it's that when he's with her, he's not Jay. He's Ryan. So when he's with her, he's not himself. And I think that's what he wants is that escape from reality. Yeah. And I think I touched on this in our mid-season finale recap. But just, like, it's so clear, like you said, that, like, he, you know, is just looking for a way to cope with his, you know, everything that he's going through. And I mean, we don't know, like, when he actually, like, just came back from the war, like, in those months or year or whatever, like, pre-Chicago PD being a show, we don't know how we act. It's like people who are saying, like, oh, Jay was never like this with Aaron. Well, yes, he was never like this with Aaron, but that doesn't mean pre-Aaron and pre-us knowing Jay that he never did something like this. Mm -hmm. We just assume that everything that we know is, like, 
has we don't have any holes in his storyline, but we know that's probably not true. Yeah, and a lot of people are saying this is out of character for him. This is ridiculous. Again, he's on a downward spiral. He's going dark. When you go dark, you're not yourself. And yeah. So, I mean, and and I mean, some people think that he's using her. I mean, I feel like no matter how good of a person you are, you're still going to make mistakes at certain points. And yeah. so, you know, we could talk until we're blue in the face about Jay Halstead and, you know, his good and bad qualities. But, you know, everybody makes mistakes. And that's just what he's doing right now because he went through a horrible thing in 501. Yeah. So I think, I mean, you know, we only have a couple more weeks. I mean, I think it's at this point maybe even like three, maybe even less than three, two and a half, something like that. Something I don't know. Like we don't that. have a whole – we don't have a long time until we actually get to see it for our own eyes. So like I think just everyone needs to just like chill out, mm-hmm. enjoy their holidays. Yeah. <laughs> like Everybody stop, thinking about, stop thinking about Jay and Camilla until maybe we see a promo. But, you know, just stop thinking about it until then and we'll move on and we can all get through this together. Maybe we um, should schedule like a meet us at Molly's like live yoga session to like clear our <laughs> minds and like relax and not worry about Jay. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that. Yeah. Maybe January 1st. Just be like New Year <laughs> right before all the episodes air because it's like second, third, and fourth. We'll just be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> new Year, New Halstead, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Ashley, why don't you talk about what happens in Med when we come back in January? Uh, episode 5 of Med is called Mountains and Molehills. And it's when a young woman with HIV symptoms and no insurance refuses to take the test. Goodwin and Troy attempt to treat her without taking a toll on the hospital's resources. And Natalie and Will try to diagnose a young girl with increasing paralysis. Paralysis. And Noah deals with his first death as a resident and takes it upon himself to inform the family. And Sarah continues to avoid work as her fear over the hospital increases. Guys, I've watched this promo about 100 times already. I haven't seen it yet. My bad. (gasps) I haven't seen it yet because I just watched – I was going to say that I just got to watch the episode today, today being Thursday, and so – and then I got back into flash binging mode, so I just haven't watched it. (laughs) So can we talk about it? Do you want to hear about it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys kind of already talked – like, Will's sick apparently or something. Yeah, yeah. So this girl with – Yeah, this girl with the increasing paralysis over here, like, they gloss over it in the synopsis, but it's, like, the whole promo. So – I guess this girl like trips and falls in the waiting room or something. Will carries her in. But then midway through the promo, Natalie's like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, I can't feel my feet. And so he's like tripping all over the place. And then you see him like the last couple shots. He's like he's sitting in he's in a hospital bed, like in a gown. And he's just kind of like pouting at Nat. And Nat's just like pouting back. Like it's yeah, it's crazy. And I've already watched it like 100 times just because like. We'll talk. We need to talk more about Manstead. I have a confession to make, but yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it when we get there. I'm really excited about the Noah storyline, just because I feel like in other medical shows, when somebody deals with their first death, and like it's very much a defining moment as a doctor, mm-hmm. and so especially having in 304, you know, the whole and we're going to talk about this, you know, everything with April kind of second guessing everything that he did. I think how he goes about dealing with this could be like a really career defining moment for him. And so I'm just curious to see how they take this whole storyline with him and just like, especially with him being like a new doctor. So yeah, it sounds really good. Yeah. 
Um, so those are all the episode descriptions. And we'll, like I said, every time we get them, we'll talk about them. But it's kind of nice knowing that we know everything for the week that um, – we come back in January and it's also kind of surreal, like seeing all three of them at once and know like they're going to air back to back to back on like Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday night, like having all shows at once. Like it's kind of, you know, it'll be interesting, but we are going to be very busy. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. are, but it'll be in a great way. Um, so the next article that we got was from TV guide yet again. And kind of on a similar path. I mean, it's a same, you know, their headline is, Will Stella and Severide rekindle things on Chicago Fire? Slow news week at TV Guide. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> but, um, and again, it's kind of just a clickbait thing. Because when you read it, it doesn't really say, like, it's not like yes or no. I mean, it even kind of talks about Stella having possible, like, other love interests, which is interesting. Um, but, yeah, there's not really... I mean, again, it's just kind of like something to get us to click on it so that we can get through this fire hiatus. Yep. Is there anything you guys want to add? <laughs> no. There's this new man about Stella. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's Ruzik, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Only in our dreams. Only in my dreams. You two are over here like, you're crazy. <laughs> No, I mean, maybe the first time you threw it out this summer, I was like, you're crazy. But more, the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, I came behind this. Just a one night stand, maybe before he goes to jail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, so that's, I mean, that's all that article was. Um, and then in Ask Osiello, which is TV Line, uh, which is a column on TV Line, we got some Chicago Med scoop. Um, and it pretty much just kind of talks about... Um, that Connor and Dr. Becker kind of might actually get to thaw their tension a little bit, um, especially when her a mentor arrives. You know, it says that, you know, he specifically comes to the hospital, have, like, Dr. Becker work on him, and he wants to do things that rub Connor the wrong way. Um, so, like, you might, we might actually see them start to work together better. I mean, we kind of got to see a little bit of it in this episode, which we'll talk about, but... Yeah, what is – and then somebody posed the question in our outline, like, what is that – what does Dr. Becker's mentor's arrival mean for Dr. Latham? What do you guys think about it? I See, and that just came to me when I had read the article because I forgot about Dr. Jaffrey coming in. I totally forgot. And so when he came in, I was like, well, wait a second. If, you know, another top dog is coming in, is Latham still here? What's going on with Latham? Does he stick around? Does he go? I think so. I, I hope think he sticks around. Because it kind of just made it seem that, like, this guy's going to be here, like, because he's getting operated on, is my guess. And that, you know, doctors kind of, even when they get operated on, they still, because they know so much, they, like, want things to be done their way. Because they're like, no, 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 like, you don't know what you're talking about. This is my body. I know what I'm doing. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of how I took it. I didn't actually even think about the Latham stuff because I just assumed that Dr. This Dr. Jaffrey, which is Dr. Becker's mentor, like that he was going to be a patient mm -hmm. and like be in and out kind of. But hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so then we got another article from EW with Brettonio Scoop. What? Apparently, Brett and Antonio are going to heat things up like red hot by the end of the first episode back in January. Guys, are you excited? Um, they're gonna re they're gonna have a total reaction to the stress of the day, and I'm so ready. 
so ready for this. Yeah. Um, I'm very hopeful for their return. Yeah. Yes. I think it'll be good. I like the sound of the heating things up like red hot, too. Yeah. It's going to be like full on Matt and Gabby at the end of like the second time that Med blew up. Like reaction to like reaction to the stress of the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The second time Med blew up. <laughs> Just, like, throwing that out there. The second time Med blew up. Well, but you, you brought something up last week that kind of, like, made me question. Like, the question mark just kind of appeared in my head. Because you remember how you mentioned that Lakeshore was, like, where they did the bulk of things before Med became a thing? Yes. So, was Lakeshore the one that got bombed the first time? Or was that Med? No, I think that was Med. Because, like, they did mention Med on occasions. But I could have, maybe it was Lakeshore. No, I think it was Med. Yeah, see, now, th- that's the one where um, D- Dawson gets, like, stuck in the rubble and then Severide's like, damn, Dawson, you look like hell. It's the, it's the PD, yeah, it's the PD crossover. It's the first crossover with PD. Yeah, yeah, poor Burgess and her niece, yeah. Yeah, no, and then, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about, like, the kind of, they, like, established all these, like, characters that were, I guess, whenever they did get to a med crossover that, like, I guess they kind of thought were going to be, like, main characters and then, like, we Nobody's never heard there. from them again. Yeah, well, yeah the thing was, his husband. Yeah, that, yeah. See, and that was the other thing when you had mentioned Lakeshore last week. I was like, "Is that why we never see Alec Wilhite? Does he work at Lakeshore?" Mm-hmm. You're nodding. Yeah, and it's and yeah. that Kendra woman, that Kendra girl. We've yeah. seen Kendra on Med, like making Will's life hell. Well, and there that was yeah, and then there was that other trauma surgeon that was like an older gentleman, and I can't. He like had the big part in that crossover. Ooh. If I show, if I found a picture of him, I'll text it to you guys. Like you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, we probably would. Yeah, but yeah, Mysteries. they like established all these characters, and then I don't know what happened and why they didn't go with them, but they never went with them. True story. But anyway, that's all. <laughs> We're off very off track. But yes. Anyway, I don't even know how we got there. But anyway, um, so the last. Real, like, article piece of news is something that's, like, not necessarily franchise-related, but it's related to one of our favorite people involved in this franchise. So, Derek, Derek Haas, he got the rights to his book series, Silver Bear, optioned. So, they're going to become movies, I guess, eventually. I don't know how often, but how long, but, yeah, super exciting. So exciting. Congratulations, Derek. Yeah. Congratulations from all of us here at Meet Us at Molly's. Yes. This sure is his book be... series that, like, you'll see him tweet about every now and then. The le- uh, the main character's name is Columbus, and he's a hitman. Yeah, hitman in the criminal underworld. Yes, in the criminal underworld, yes. And so that's so exciting. That must be a really awesome feeling to see yeah. that your books are going to become movies. That's exciting. It's really exciting. So if you haven't uh, read the series yet, get on it. Go. Do it yes. right now. Go buy them at Barnes Make & Noble or on Amazon. Christmas present. Yeah, exactly what Ashley said. Which Christmas. leads us into our next point. <laughs> yes, which leads us into our next point. You know what else would be a great Christmas gift or Hanukkah gift or Kwanzaa gift or whatever kind of gift? Tickets to the one, the Chicago Hears event in Chicago on May 3rd and 4th that Gina and I will be at. March, March 3rd and 4th. Did I? Oh, my God. Guys, it's late. <laughs> it is. It's yeah. late for us. This is like meet us at Molly's after dark tonight. Yeah. <laughs> March 3rd and 4th. 
it's not yeah i don't i don't want it to be in may i want it to be in march i want it to be here like yeah. soon now um but the lineup's really great they've got 12 cast members attending from all three of the franchises they're still looking to add more so probably be up to i guess a couple more um tickets for everything are going pretty fast so if you want to come start buying yes come join us please yeah we'll be there all weekend just roaming chicago so Mm -hmm. come hang out with us and then the last thing is don't forget if you're listening to this on friday or saturday there's still time to join us for on sunday december 17th at 12 noon eastern standard time 11 a.m central time 9 a.m. Pacific time. We're going to be live tweeting the pilot of Chicago Fire. What did we decide the hashtag was? Just fire pilot rewatch. Yeah, fire pilot rewatch hashtag. Um, follow us I all. I have watched it. I'm going yes. to put it out there. Yes, Ashley has watched it. And you'll have to stay tuned to our episode that will be released at the end of the week to hear what she has to fully think about it. But it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, guys, we have had a schedule change. We have had a schedule change. Should we just mention that now? Yeah, we'll mention it again at the end of the episode. But yes, we have had a schedule change. So our Chicago Fire pilot recap will now be dropped on... Thursday. Thursday, the 21st of December. And then our PD pilot recap will still be dropped on the 22nd of December. Um, But speaking of the PD pilot... We're going to be live tweeting that on Wednesday, the 20th at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, so the normal time that PD comes on um, during the week. So Please join us. Please join us for this walk down memory lane. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And if any of that was super confusing, check Twitter and we'll have it more clearly laid out so you can see what we mean. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that was all the news. That was a lot. Um, but yeah, so without further ado, I guess let's just hop right into talking about this week's Med episode. And it's the only episode of a One Chicago show we had this week, and it's the last one before we went on hiatus. So it's kind of sad, but it was a good episode. So the beginning. We're, we're going to break this down as storylines like we usually do, but the beginning is just like, <laughs> it's so random and kind of sad if you're a believer in Santa and like <laughs> all these things. Like, so we're just going to talk about the like beginning two minutes for, and then go into like storylines. It was like patient rapid fire. Yeah. There was like Natalie and Will got their stuff. Like we're dealing with their stuff. And then Choi was dealing with his. And then like, yeah, in like two minutes, literally. Um, so basically it starts with Natalie nagging Will. Cause she wants to know who is he has for secret Santa. I don't think I don't see why it cares. She cares so much, but she wants to know, and he won't exactly. tell her. It's not important. Like he's not going to tell you. Okay, we'll get to that. But yes, <laughs> but yes, he she wants to know, and I guess maybe because she thinks it's her. I don't know. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Doesn't but matter. whatever. And then all of a sudden, you kind of hear someone in the waiting room like yelling for help. Turns out, I guess it was like a mall Santa. They. Like, or a retirement home Santa or whatever it was. Santa has a heart attack in the middle of the waiting room. And then there's this kid, this poor kid that they fucking traumatized. He, like, walks over and he's like, 
he's like talking to Maggie and he's like, is Santa going to die? <laughs> and she's just like covering his eyes. She's like, no, no, no. Like, it's okay. And they're like, get him out of here. Get him into the ER. Like, get him out of here. Well, like, not even. I was like, like, the kid walks up to Goodwin and he's like, is Santa going to die? I freaking lost it. Like, I was at a Starbucks, probably almost had a spit take. And, like, the mom is standing there and doesn't even get the kid out of the way. I'm like, dude, either shield this kid from what's happening or pay for his therapy for life now. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Like, and it's not even, like, a kid that was, like, on the cusp of, like, do they believe in Santa? Do they not? This kid's, like, five years old. Like, he clearly believes in Santa. Not anymore. Not (laughs) anymore. Maybe he thinks, I guess, Mrs. Claus is the one who's going to, like, start dealing all the gifts out or something. But, like... (laughs) I don't know. Oh my god. Oh well, yeah, my and then god. this is there. So that happened, but then didn't I think also didn't Doctor Charles's patient come in too? The guy with the demons. Yeah. Was that in the first two minutes? I think so. And, like a lot of patients came in, basically, is what happened. But this was it was just it was really chaotic in the opening couple minutes, and then it was capped off with Santa dying in the waiting room. Yeah, and then they go to like the title screen, and it was like, oh, this is how we're gonna do it tonight. Okay, great. I found in a lot of these moments in this episode, a lot of moments here, I found myself laughing when I probably shouldn't have been. And I don't, I think it might have been just because these were like uncomfortable situations. And so it was nervous laughter on my part. But like, there were a couple scenes in this episode that I was like, oh my God, this is so funny. Yeah, I have a whole thing. I, the um, April and Noah's patient it's like that whole storyline's like my favorite thing ever, but like we'll get there when we get there because it's great. Um, but first, we're gonna talk about Manstead, our favorite, our new favorites, literally. For real. So much love for Manstead. Um, so it starts out with them. They actually work together on another patient this week. Um, so a pregnant woman comes in and she thinks she's having contractions, and it just turns out to be Braxton Hicks, is all it is. Um, but you know, her husband's not there and he ends up flying in to meet her later on. And when he does finally get there, Will notices that his color is off and he, you know, finally is convinced to let Will check him out. He's like, oh, no, no, no. He's like, I'm fine. Like, you know, whatever. And the wife's like, no, you're like, you're going to be okay. Like, I'm okay. Like, just go get the test done. Turns out though, his tests come back and Will tells him he's inconclusive for Zika. Which is only something you can't, it's not happened that for someone to get Zika above the Mason-Dixon line, which is somewhere around, it's like Maryland-ish, so like right around where I am. But he was supposedly in Buffalo, New York. So how does he get Zika? He can't get it in Buffalo. Turns out, though, he was actually in Aruba cheating on his wife. This guy's an asshole. For real. Once I, like, saw that come, once they, like, he said, he was like, oh, I was actually in Aruba. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this is where we go. And, it, and then, of course, you know, he immediately wants to play the confidentiality card with Will. And he's like, you know, oh, like, you guys have patient doctor confidentiality? Well, I'm now your patient, so, like, you can't say anything. Um, you know, he's like, I learned all about the same thing with, like, lawyer client, lawyer client in law school. Like, you know, whatever. I had another one of those moments here where, like, I wished that the show was on cable because, like, the minute he said that he was in Aruba with a lady friend, I just wanted Will wanted Will to just be like, you asshole. 
Yeah. Your wife is pregnant and you're off gallivanting in like the tropical islands. Yeah. And so the whole reason that the patient's husband won't let Will say anything is because Will says, oh, well, if you've been sexually active with your wife recently, then like there's a chance she could get it and it can hurt your baby. So like we need to test her. But the patient's the husband doesn't want to get the his wife tested, which is also stupid. Because even if you cheat, yes, you cheated on your wife, but like if you have any, like if you cared for your baby at least, like you would want him to get him or her tested. But that's just me. That's just me. No, that's selfish as fuck that he would rather hide the fact that he cheated than look out for the health of his own baby. Yeah. It's, it's a whole thing. But so then Will finds Natalie later on in the doctor's lounge and he, you know, they discuss the whole situation and Will says, you know, that breaking this confidentiality could put his job and his license at risk. <laughs> yeah. That's literally never stopped him before. So, like, why now? He's a new man, Gina. He's now dating Natalie. He's a new man. Oh, my God. He, this shaved, is another... he shaved. He shaved. He shaved. He shaved. <laughs> he shaved. He's, a new, He's a new man. He's a new man. He's a new man. He doesn't think of it. He thinks about these things now. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. So then Nat thinks about it, though. And then, you know, she doesn't really even say anything. And then Will's like, no, don't do that. And But, of course, that's still not going to really stop Natalie either. Oh, my God. I died here because he like she didn't even say anything. And he was like, I know what you're thinking. Don't even do it. Yeah. And I was like, these two are killing me because, like, They're both, like, casual little criminals, but now Will's just like, Nat, don't do it. I'm like, you guys are the worst criminal duo ever. But at the same time, I kind of wish somebody would Photoshop them into a poster for Mr. and Mrs. Smith, just because, like, they're always doing dumb shit and, like, egging egging each other on. I I just... Will trying to talk Natalie out of doing what she always does and Will being like, ooh, my license, ooh, confidentiality. (laughs) I just... this It was another moment that made me laugh hysterically. It's, they're the worst versions of Bonnie and Clyde ever. Yeah, for real. Um, so Natalie, of course, does go and do what she wants to do. And the patients are getting ready to leave. And Natalie confronts them. And she basically tells the wife, like, you know, without actually saying, like, your husband cheated on you. Um, she's like, I would, if I were you, I would avoid any sexual activity. And the wife's like, why? Like, I didn't read anything about that in books. And then literally before Natalie can say anything, Will brings in the CDC officer in. And the CDC officer is required to speak with the husband about his test because it turns out, as Will tells Natalie when they go back to the doctor's lounge, since Zika is a public health emergency, the CDC is legally required to investigate anything that looks inconclusive, um, which is what this husband's test looks like. Um, so, yeah, that whole this, thing happens. This is like a historic moment. Like, Will did something that wasn't illegal? Right. And he stopped Natalie? What? What? It is a Christmas miracle, after all. He really is a new man. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, of course, it turns out Will learned something from all this. And he's like, I don't want to keep secrets from you. And I was like, I don't either. And then Will ends up telling her that he is Goodwin for Secret Santa. And he's like, but I don't know what to buy. And Natalie's like, 
well, I have no Goodwin a little bit. And she's like, you should buy her house shoes. And then they kiss and it's just adorable. Am I the only person who doesn't wear house slippers? I don't. I don't. Hashtag like, team barefoot. Well, yeah, team barefoot. <laughs> Natalie's like, well, Goodwin always says the first thing she does when she gets home is take off her shoes. I'm like, well, why would she want to put on another pair of shoes? But that's I don't know. I me. mean, some people do. Some people do. They do. They do. Obnoxious socks are my thing right now. Like really obnoxious, bright, colorful socks. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I'm wearing my Hanukkah socks right now. They're pretty great. Nice. Um, yeah. So yeah, I but I'm, you know, either a team barefoot or team sock person. I'm not a team house shoes person, but you know, to each their own. Um, Unless they're obnoxious slippers, then I'm all about those too. <laughs> Do you have any obnoxious slippers, Gina? Um, I used to. I had a pair with cookie, chocolate chip cookies on the top and one pair, one foot said bite and the other said me. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. Those are incredible. I don't know Jeez. if I still have them, though. I think my dog might have chewed them up. I don't know. We've got not Chuck again. Again, meet us <laughs> yeah. at Molly's After Dark. It's wheels off. <laughs> anyway, me instead. I know we've been gushing about them in our texts lately. Guys, what do you think about them? Ashley, go first. Um, they're, like really, they're being cute and adorable, and I just love it. This is like the confession that I had to make. Like, I am turning into such a fangirl for these two. <laughs> She asked for fan fiction. So if you have any fan fiction out there, it happened. <laughs> to Gina. That literally happened the other day. I like just was kind of yeah. perusing the internet and I was like, there's no Manstead fic. There's nothing. Yeah. Like, I am dissolving into a horrible fangirl for Manstead. And like, I watched that promo like 15,000 times already, pretty much because I wanted to stare at Will. What is happening to me? <laughs> I don't know. Like, do I What is happening am I to you? sick? Like, I mean, I like me instead, but I'm not, I'm nowhere near fangirl level for them or anything. Yeah, but you know me, I, I fangirl for nothing. I'm like, you know, I go zero to fangirl. I'm just pathetic like that. It's not pathetic. But seriously, write some manfed, manfed, manstead. <laughs> <laughs> write some manstead fiction, like good manstead fiction, and then send it to us, would you please? Yeah. I mean, if people can find Mouse and Nadia fan fiction, they can find us some good Manstead fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's your holiday homework, guys. Yes. Find All us some I want Manstead for Christmas is a good Manstead fic. <laughs> um, so, but that's the end of Manstead's storyline this week. Not a whole lot of them, but there's a whole lot of everyone else that we got to talk about. So, Gina, why don't you talk about the Choi and Dr. Charles and Reese stuff? Stuff. Okay, so patient comes in, and I can't remember if this was the teaser or after the teaser. I don't know. But this patient comes in, and he's convinced the demons are after him. Like, he's cray-cray. He just comes in, he's like, there's demons, holy shit. And <laughs> Choi's like, uh. So Choi starts treating his injuries because he fell through a window, and he asks for a psych consult. Well, part of his injuries, he had, like, an artery bleed or something, and so yeah. Choi's like assessing all of this and he goes to, I guess, tie off the bleed in his arm and he gets blood like all over him. And so he goes like he turns to the nurse at one point and he's like, OK, well, let's go ahead and get a psych consult. He doesn't say anything about the fact that he just got like sprayed in the mouth with blood. I'm like, maybe you should get tested. Maybe. Yeah, I feel like that happens a lot, though, on this show. Like people get sprayed with blood or gross other things. And it's never it's always like. 
oh, let's test the patient, like send them to get an MRI or whatever. But it's never like, oh, maybe I should get tested, though, and make sure that like I didn't get contaminated with this other person's blood. And it's not even like he had like a cut or anything like it went in his mouth. Yeah. It's like vampire toy. Like (laughs) what are we working with here? But no, nothing about getting tested. Just let's get a psych consult. So it also makes me wonder how many takes they did that in or like they had to have done multiple takes. Right. Um, Yeah. Because I remember a story about uh, the Night Shift doctors, like, rest in peace, Night Shift. We love that show so much. Uh, There was a moment in, I think, their final season where Scott Wolf and Brendan Fair were filming a scene where, like, the guy coughs blood. And the special effects team was like, it's just going to be a little bit. And then, like, the way Brendan described it, he's like, yeah, it was like Carrie. And, like, there was blood everywhere. And Scott Wolf, like, stayed in character the whole time. But obviously they didn't use the take. So I do love that they used that take. Because, yeah, yeah. And shout out to Brian for like staying in character because I would have been like, eh. like, yeah, I would have gagged that up. That's same, gross. Same. So because do- Dr. Charles and Reese come into play later in this. That's why like they're kind of grouped together. But Dr. Charles meets with Goodwin in her office and Goodwin has some really bad news and just tells him that Jack Kellogg was killed in prison. Jack Kellogg being the guy who shot him at the end of season two. I did not see this one coming. So when Goodwin laid that on him, I was like, oh, this just took a turn. Yeah. 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 I didn't see it coming either. No. And so, you know, Dr. Charles is like, okay, you know, why are you telling me this? And so Goodwin just straight up says, you know, don't take it out on Reese. And, you know, he was like, don't take it out on Reese. You know, she testified for the prosecution. This is what she wanted. But, you know, everybody feels bad. Don't do anything. And Dr. Charles gets really defensive. He's like, so now I'm vindictive and emotionally unstable and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, like, there's been a really bad disconnect between Sarah and Dr. Charles this season. Like, and even I mean, like, even Goodwin to an extent, too, because Goodwin's always kind of been like the mediator between the two of them this season in the couple episodes that we got. And like Goodwin and Dr. Charles are obviously like really close friends just because like they've been around Chicago Med for a while. And so, but, like, even them, like, the two of them have been really distant because of the whole situation. So, yeah, it's caused a lot of tension between, like, the three of them. Yeah, and it's interesting for Dr. Charles and Sarah, two, you know, mental health professionals, that, like, they're not communicating when that's such an integral part of being a psychiatrist and, you know, trying to help people. It's interesting to me. But... Later on, you know, he gets defensive. Goodwin suggests that he takes a couple days off and he gets defensive and storms out. And so later on, Reese and Dr. Charles bump into each other and, you know, Reese just tells him, she's like, I can't help but feel like this is my fault, you know. And Dr. Charles is like, it's not, don't worry. So this is when Choi interrupts them and asks for the site consult. Thankfully, he's gotten the blood off of his face by this point. (laughs) They go to see this guy. They round a corner and obviously he's screaming about demons and Reese ends up excusing herself saying that she has patience to see. So Dr. Charles is like, OK, fine, that's great. And so he goes to talk to this patient and I think he just kind of tries to talk him down, but then just sedates him. And so he returns later to see the patient and the patient's like, OK, the demons are gone. And so, you know, Dr. Charles levels with him. He says, you know, demons get inside of people and make them do bad things like they did his friend and that he hurt himself trying to get away from them. And so Dr. Charles believes that he has a delusional disorder and wants him admitted. So midway through the episode, 
because again, this was a busy one, like a lot of stuff was happening. Another patient comes in and it's a priest and the priest has the same stained glass wounds that this guy had. So yeah, so Troy notices that. And then towards the end of the episode, Dr. Charles comes into Alex's room and, or not Alex, I'm still thinking of the guy last week with the intestines. Why am I still thinking about that? Because <laughs> oh that was God. gross. Because it was gross. And I mean, we kind of, we didn't get a repeat this episode, but yeah, something similar happens, but we'll get there. So Dr. Charles comes into the guy's room and it's kind of chaos because like Choi's there, Alinsky's there, Goodwin's there. Like, oh, hi, Al, by the way. Um, hey. <laughs> was so, it Virgin? Wasn't Virgin supposed to be in this episode? I think so. Like, I remember seeing that she was credited, but maybe they like cut it or something. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. She's so, episode description is what I asked. Yeah, yeah. And so, or maybe they had to, like, tweak it once Burgess got paired with Antonio, because, like, why would she be paired with Alinsky? Yeah, maybe. I'm just reading into things for no reason. <laughs> so, <laughs> Dr. Charles goes into the room, and he sees Alinsky, he sees Choi, he sees Goodwin. He's like, what the hell's going on? Why is this happening? And Al and Goodwin and Choi are like, you know stand back it's a police matter don't worry like they don't tell him what's going on and so let me scroll down here yeah and so the patient starts yelling that you know dr charles lied about helping him and basically he grabs the defibrillator paddles and he's like you know don't come near me i'll do it and dr charles still has no clue what's going on and so olinsky and choi and goodwood are like standing back whatever well the guy shocks himself and Dr. Charles goes to grab him, and so he gets shocked, too. But, like, you saw Why? The guy, exactly. You saw the guy shock himself, and so you grabbed him? Like, yelling clear is, like, medical show one-on-one. Like, I think even I know not to touch somebody when that's going on. Right. Like, and you've been in, you've been a doctor for 30-something years. Like, dude. Bro. I didn't watch this live, but, like, I was scrolling through Twitter, and people was like, can they stop trying to kill Dr. Charles? <laughs> I was really like, no. uh, I was like, yeah. what's happening? Can we just, like, bubble wrap him or something, or put him in, like, a safe closet for a little bit or something? Like, put him somewhere safe where he's not going to get hurt. Seriously. Jeez. So... They, like, you know, Dr. Troy checks on Dr. Charles. They take the patient away. And then they tell him that the real reason that Al was there was because he's the one who stabbed the priest. I mean, and Brenna, you put in the outline here. You, you said Dr. Charles didn't know the real reason behind him being arrested and was shocked to find that part out. Nice pun, yo. Nice I pun. didn't even mean for that to happen. It just naturally <laughs> happened. <laughs> But also, I mean, maybe they all should have led with that when Dr. Charles came in instead of being like, stand back, it's a police matter. Maybe lead with that. Like, oh, he stabbed a priest. Right. Maybe then we could have avoided all this chaos. Probably. But, but, you know. Oh, my God. And so. Excuses, excuses. Excuses, excuses. Yeah. So Choi's all like, Dr. Charles, let me check you out. And Dr. Charles is like, no. I'm like, okay, stop with the stubbornness. Stop it. And so. They all storm off, who knows where, and Reese turns to Goodwin and, you know, she she just tells him, you know, Dr. Charles clearly acted like that because he couldn't save Jack Kellogg and, you know, he's upset about it. And Sarah's really upset here, too. Like, she's got tears in her eyes and everything. And Goodwin's like, just remember, this wasn't your fault. 
And I'm just kind of at the point now. I think it's time that somebody recognized that Sarah needs help here. Yeah. And especially based on the episode description that we're for the episode for 305, when she's still so afraid to go in the hospital and because of everything that's happened since the shooting. Yeah. She needs some help. Like, why does nobody recognize that her anxiety is growing here? Because they're too preoccupied with all their other stuff because there's too much happening in this damn ED. It's true. And, I mean, we we do know that Sarah has anxiety. We've seen it in, I think, season one. Will is the one who knows about it, if you remember correctly. But we never see Sarah interact with Will anymore. Yeah. Who, who knows? Will probably couldn't even see the anxiety through all the hard eyes. Probably but, not. I'm just tired of Goodwin and Dr. Charles just not even legitimizing Sarah's feelings. Like, it's clear that, you know, and it's okay that she feels this way. It's okay that she's got this anxiety. It's just that she needs somebody to talk her through it. And they're so worried, though, about protecting her from, like, the aftermath of the shooting that they haven't even seen that there's so much has happened since then that doesn't even relate to the shooting, like, with the the Miss Lake patient and, like, the tire slashings and whatever, they're, like, it's probably not even really, it's not really about Jack Kellogg anymore. It's about everything else. So they're yeah. so, so worried about trying to protect her from things that aren't of concern anymore. Right. And, like, the Miss Lake thing was so fleeting. Meanwhile, she's terrified that she's got the stalker. And even if she doesn't, I mean, somebody needs to help her, like, work through these feelings. Yeah. But, but I will say this, I think- though. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I think they're just so concerned about everything else that they're not seeing, like, what's actually happening to her. Yeah. I will say, though, I think the writers are doing a really good job of creating this, like, perfect storm for her where, like, all of these things are happening and coming together and just kind of swirling around each other to, like, create this problem that she's going through right now. So I think they're doing a really good job of crafting this perfect storm around her. But, I mean, it's just, it's time for somebody to recognize that she needs help. Yeah, and hopefully we'll see it soon. Right. Right. Um, But yeah, we can move on. So let's talk about Noah and April, which is literally my favorite storyline of this entire episode. Um, (laughs) So Noah and April, brother and sister duo, working start working on this patient, Mr. Rosenblatt. Such a Jewish name. (laughs) Um, And he originally just comes in with like a fever and a rash, but he also comes in with his clearly overprotective Jewish sister and it's the best thing ever um literally so many just like classic like Jewish matriarch tropes that it's it's incredible um and Noah and April are reviewing his charts as they're going over over everything um in just like the middle of the ED and Maggie kind of overhears their conversation And apparently Dr. Stoll had had a patient with the same symptoms a couple of days ago and the cultures had just come back in for a bacteria and it was concluded to be a bacterial infection. And so April decides, you know, they should page Robin in for a consult. And so turns out Robin and Noah and April go in to talk to Mr. Rosenblatt and he has this condition called, I'm going to butcher this so bad, leptosopurious, so I don't even, leptosopurious. The lepto so I don't even know how to something with an L. Leptospirosis, spirosis. I don't know, something close to that. Whatever. Not important. Not as important. Anyway, 
the point is that Robin says it's a bacterial infection that usually comes from like rodents. So as rats or whatever. And it usually comes from like contaminated water, but also like they've had things with soil and whatever. Point being, it comes from rats. It's a bacterial infection though. And so, you know, the thing that gets me though is Mr. Rosenblatt's sister is like insistent that it's got to be an infection though because he eats like non-kosher meat and like she's like it's got to be the pork right you know like it's just oh if you know any jews like it's so good it's so good the (laughs) nagging about the non-kosher meat it's so good it's so accurate it's it's good is this Um, what your family is like brenna out of curiosity no not my family we don't keep kosher but a lot of families that i know that do keep kosher yes (laughs) yes it's so good um, but anyway, so then they leave, they're going to sit, like, they say they're like, we're going to run more tests or whatever. And like, we'll be back. So then Mr. Rosenblatt's alarms start going off. Noah and April rush in and Noah ends up having to do an emergency tracheotomy. And April's like questioning every little move that Noah makes. Um, and so once Mr. Rosenblatt's like stats begin to return to no normal, April's like, you did it. And Noah like pulls off his gloves and like gives her a dirty look and just kind of like leaves the room. Like he's pissed and he has the right to be. I mean, I would be pissed if my sis, I don't have a sister, but if my brother was like sitting there, like looking over my shoulder, like judging literally every move I make. And like, especially when one wrong move can like kill this guy. Right. Yeah. Um, and so they're back out in like the middle of the ED um, and Noah's looking over the chart and April's like, you should run this test and you should run this test. And he finally snaps and he's like, I know what I'm doing. And she's like, are you sure? Like, I'm not really sure you do. And he's like, you need to back off. And he's like in the hospital. He's like, I don't need my big sister here. Like, I'm like, you know, I'm a doctor. Like I can do this myself. And so later on when April goes back into the room to check on Mr. Rosenblatt, his sister kind of confides in April that she hates seeing her brother like this. But then she also goes on this rant about how much her brother loves his late wife, who, but she was a Gentile, a.k.a. not Jewish, for anyone <laughs> who doesn't know that term. Um, and, you know, she, his late wife had made him celebrate Christmas and that, like, that was a big deal and blah, 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 blah. And April's like, but I think it's sweet that he, like, still continues to do so, like, in remembrance of his late wife. But his sister isn't having it. She's like, he was, she was a Gentile. Oh, the Lord, oy vey. Like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so good. It's good. Um, and, but yeah, so April thinks it's sweet. But then Robin and April and Noah are having, like, another conversation. Because they're still, the problem is they can't figure out how he got infected with this infection. Like, he didn't drink any contaminated water, which, it's funny. I should, I don't even remember if this was the scene before that. But they're talking about – Robin asks him, she's like, oh, like, have you had any contaminated water recently? And his sister's like, well, he started joining the YMCA instead of the pool at the JCC. And I was just like, oh, my God. I can't. <laughs> it's so good. Um, but anyway, so they can't figure out the source of where the infection's coming from. And so Robin and April Noah are sitting there, like, discussing it. And, you know, they're like, there's three other cases of this leptospirosis in the city – um, but they were all from different parts of the city, so it can't necessarily be, like, the water main. Um, and she, Robin says, you know, that the last outbreak was five years ago. And so they start to think, well, maybe it can be the soil and not the water. 
And Noah makes the suggestion of like, oh, well, it's Christmas and like, you know, people are bringing in Christmas trees. So like, the, could that be it? And Robin's like, no, 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 like it can't be. The Rosenblatt's are Jewish. Like, why would they have a Christmas tree? And April's like, no, 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 like, you know, despite being Jewish, like, they still celebrate Christmas. So, like, it could be the Christmas tree. Turns out that's what it was. It was the Christmas tree, um, the soil that had just from the farm, um, which is also kind of gross to think about, that, like, the soil from the Christmas tree farm that, like, probably just ended up on the floor is somehow what gave this guy a bacterial infection from rats. Like, it's weird to think about. But, yeah, that is kind of... Yeah, that's kind of freaky. Because it's not you... like he sat there and ate the soil. Like, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Ashley, you live in the South just like me. Do you guys have a real tree or a fake tree? Fake. Yeah, we have fake as well. So, I, yeah. That's, really? This is why, yeah, this is why I'm thankful to live in the South. We don't have to worry about that. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Do you guys have a real tree? Do I don't do real trees. What? Do you guys have a real tree? We don't have a tree. Oh, you're Jewish. Fuck. I knew that. I'm sorry. I'm so tired, Brenna. <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah, we don't. But my like thinking about like my because my entire extended family is Christian. I mean, they don't have some of them do. Some of them don't. So like some do real, some don't. It really it's like half and half. Um, that is freaky, yeah. though, that like something as innocent as a Christmas tree could give you a rat disease. Yeah, gross. Um, but Noah then like shares you know, later on, they go back into the Rosenblatt's room and Noah's like, you know, the antibiotics are going to work. Like, you're going to be fine. And then he walks out of the room and he and April apologize to each other. And April admits, you know, that while sometimes Noah might need her, she also needs him as well. And then Noah jokes that, like, he's like, when we're that old, he's like, we should move in together. And April's like, not on your life. We're never moving in together. Yeah, I don't blame her. Um, and then the whole April and Noah stuff basically ends with Choi pulling April into a closet for a kiss under the shamrock, which is supposed to be mistletoe, but they didn't have any mistletoe, and he found some shamrock decorations. They actually had a cute moment. I didn't hate it. <laughs> I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I like how they just tried to have a nice moment where they didn't fight and you're still like, I didn't hate it. Like, <laughs> I, I just like, but it's not like, I'm not like giddy over it either. I'm not like, oh my God, that was so cute. Like, I'm just kind of indifferent to it. I, I thought it was cute because you never really see Choi make the romantic gesture. Granted, granted, you never see either one of them make a romantic gesture because they're usually just fighting. But True. it was still pretty cute. Yeah, but that's all, all of the... April and Noah stuff. Um, Gina, do you want to talk about Dead Santa and Goodwin? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, I did this portion of the outline because I was like, Dead Santa. Like, that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> okay, so and this is another one of these moments that just made me laugh because I'm terrible. So, like we said before, Santa dies in the waiting room. Just, yeah. Sad. And so the first couple of, you know, the first maybe act or two of the show, it like – we see the family come in and they're grieving over him and everything. But then it starts to get kind of weird or where's Waldo-esque. And they just kind of start like wheeling him through background scenes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think I noticed that. So there's a moment. Somebody's walking through the ED and I it might have been Choi or somebody. I can't even remember. But like they're walking one direction. And then the stretcher with the crying family and dead Santa comes through in the other angle. And again, oh I lost it when I probably shouldn't have. I should have been like, this is really sad. It's dead Santa. But I was laughing my ass off. So it just kind of becomes really weird. And where's Waldo-esque? And I'm just like, 
Oh, look, like Choi's tending to this patient. Oh, but look, it's dead Santa in the background. That's funny. Uh, So that goes on. But then midway through the episode is when it actually starts to like not be as funny because dead Santa's obviously not there to wheel through the hospital anymore. So the family flips out on Maggie midway through the episode because they receive a bill for $16,000. That's some shady shit that they're moving that quickly that they haven't even left the hospital yet and they've already received a bill. Yeah, that's very unrealistic. That don't happen that way. That don't happen. That don't happen. That don't happen. Nope. And so Goodwin's like, well, shit, this is some ice cold stuff happening here. So she talks to Stoll because that's going to make it better. And Stoll is just insistent that, you know, these charges are right. They're, you know, it's exactly what happened. They're right. But Goodwin's like, dude, he died in the waiting room. Like, can we not be so heartless? And Stoll's like, no, no. Stoll pretty much has no heart. And he pretty much proves it in this scene. Yeah. But it's also funny, too, because, like, you know, Stoll makes the point of, like, Goodwin was the one telling them last week that they have to be, you know, so cognizant of, like, every little piece of equipment, every little supply thing that they use. So, like, in some ways, Stoll's just following Goodwin's orders. But, like, it's really just a cycle because, like, it made Goodwin see that, like, what she told Stoll to do was such a heartless and, like, you know, just such a capitalist, like, mindset. But, like, you know... It's really just what Goodwin or what Stoll was told to do. Yeah. And so Goodwin either I think she either says something to Stoll or to the board to like look the other way. But she words it in such a way that the board takes it as a threat. Mm hmm. Because whatever. They're hypersensitive. So we find this out when she's on her way to the office and attorney guy whose name I still cannot remember. Goodwin even said it in the scene and it was like she said it and I immediately forgot it. I don't I didn't even realize she I didn't think she even said it. So that's so, how much I paid attention. <laughs> so he scolds her basically and it's like, well, the board took your words as a threat. And then he brings up the budget thing again. But then he tells her that she's replaceable and tells her to watch herself. Excuse you, attorney man whose name I cannot remember. It's <laughs> a good one like that. Yeah, not good one. Not good one. No. And so the episode basically ends with. You know, Dr. Charles goes in to talk to her and says, you know, he wants to go ahead and take those take those days off, thankfully. But Goodwin talks to him about, you know, what's happening with the budget and all the problems and everything. And she just looks at him and she's like, the system's broken, Daniel. And Daniel drops this really sweet line about, you know, there's nobody better with a glue gun than you or something like that. I was like, oh, besties. So sweet. But back on yes. track. What? The back on track. Besties back, back on, tra- on track. Yes, BFFL, Goodwin and Charles, forever. <laughs> so that was a sweet line. But yeah, I'm not, yeah, attorney guy, like maybe don't threaten Goodwin and tell her to watch herself. And then maybe, just maybe, I'll remember your name. I maybe. Don't I don't know. But yeah, so that's Dead Santa and Goodwin. It's just basically a budget crisis. And I think it just kind of shows that Goodwin's trying to reconcile the fiduciary side with, you know, the human side of it. Yeah, and I think it's just going to, it goes to show that it's not, like, it's not black and white and it's not going to be as easy as someone just being like, oh, well, like, just take these, like, take parts of, like, the budget from different departments. Like, it's not that easy and it's not that simple. Right. Right. Um, but, yeah, so the last thing we have to talk about is Connor and Robin. They're a little, I don't know, they're a little on edge, both of them, and for different reasons on this um, episode, but... 
So basically the episode begins with Robin and Connor talking outside the hospital. Like it's literally the first thing we see. And Robin's going back to work, which is exciting. Um, And she's worried that people are kind of only going to see her as this girl who was screaming about rats. Um, But Connor just, you know, does the good boyfriend thing and, you know, assures her that she's going to be fine. And he's like, if worse comes to worse, like I'm working in the ED today. So like it'll be like I'll be easy to reach. Finally, it's about time you work in the ED again. Oh, my God. When he said he was on trauma service, I was like, yes. Like, yes, yes, yes. I'm so excited. Yeah. Like, it's about time you. But still, okay, we're getting ready to get this in the second. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it. But yet he's in he's working on ED and he's still working with Dr. Becker. I know. But it was nice to see him in the ED for like a moment. Yeah, for real. I'm just amazed when he used to, like, interact with Will and Sarah and Dr. Charles and everybody else in the lowly ED. Seriously. Um, But anyway, so they walk in and, you know, everyone's hugging and Robin and whatever. Everyone's hug, hi, how are you, whatever. And Doris goes, it's only a matter of another time before she snaps again. Oh, my God. Somebody pointed this out to me after Doris was like a total bitch to April a couple of weeks ago. She's also the one who calls Natalie an ice queen in, I think, sometime last week, last season or maybe season one. She called Natalie an ice queen. This bitch. Like. She's annoying. She's the Regina George of Med. We'll just start <laughs> that one. Yeah. <laughs> she literally yeah. has like nothing nice to say about anybody she works with. No, she doesn't. I mean, which in like yeah. she better watch her back, a la Mean Girls. She better watch her back because she's like down there on the like totem pole. Yeah, she's terrible. She also was wearing like a bright green Santa hat this episode. I was like, that's distracting. Santa hats are red, <laughs> and I don't like you, Doris. So, ha. <laughs> and none for Doris. Bye. None for Doris. Bye. You know when you don't like each other and the, you don't like somebody and like just their mere existence, like they do the slightest thing and you're like, I hate you. Like, yeah, yeah. Doris wearing a green Santa hat. I'm like, you're stupid. <laughs> um, She's but so if, mean. But so Connor, you know, he walks in the ED and pretty much immediately gets a patient. Um, and his first patient is this man who fell from his roof while he was trying to string Christmas lights. Um, and so they take him into the trauma bay. And before they end up, they end up rushing him into surgery. But before that, you know, he kind of codes. And so they end up having to insert a chest tube. And instead of blood coming out, it's fecal matter. Like, <laughs> poop. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally wrote in the outline, ew, 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 ew. This might be even more disgusting than the hand in the intestine last week, which, by the way, was the thing that Jeff Dreyer said was his, like, gross thing this season. So we were right in guessing that. But I think this is even more disgusting. disgusting. More disgusting than the kid coughing and, like, spraying pus all over the wall? Yes. Poop coming out of your chest. Shit. It's shit, Gina. Which is oddly enough exactly what the nurse Monique said, too. Like, right in that scene, he was like, this is fecal matter. And she was like, how do you get poop in your chest? Right. Like, like how the fuck does shit end up in your chest? <laughs> I mean, we learn, but, like, it's shit. It's shit. It was so disgusting. I was Did you have a long day? <laughs> Yeah, okay, but also just, like, it is now after midnight over here. So, like, yeah, it's been a long day. Oh, that's true. Um, that's true. <laughs> but anyway, literally, meet us, at Mo- meet us at Molly's after dark, literally. Um, 
Yeah. But anyway, so Connor decides he's going to go just consult Ava about this. Ugh. Face palm. Ava. And on his patient with the shit in his lungs. And it turns out his colon somehow, I guess from the fall, like ended up in his lung. And so like it's in his colon. It's not actually in his lung. But it's like colon has like merged with his lung. I don't really understand the science behind how this happens, but I think when he fell, like his diaphragm pushed shattered, up, but it, like yeah, it like burst shifted or something. Yeah, yeah, so and it pushed burst. his colon up. Yeah, and then, like his organs like shifted up into the void or something. It's basically just from the fall. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, so. He's like, you're coming to do surgery with me. And he's like, and Connor says, you know, you'll do the thoracotomy and I'm going to open the abdomen. And he's like, in case you need reminding, I'm on trauma today and this is a trauma case. And Ava's like, so you're the intending on the case and you're going to get your kicks out of calling the shots. And he just kind of gives her death glare after that. Connor don't play no games. Can I also just say here, and I I hate to be the one who's like, oh my God, so-and-so is so hot, even though I'm like shameless and do it anyway. Colin Donnell has the most amazing blue eyes. Can I just say that for a second? Like, and basically she said something smart ass and he's like, good, I'm glad. And right before he said it, the camera like caught him and he has the most beautiful blue eyes. Like they're so blue. But I just, it was one of those moments where they were like exceptionally striking. And I was like, ah, noted. We still really need to work on that collab piece about like our top 10 most beautiful eyes in Hollywood. Oh my God. The, the dreamiest blue eyes in Hollywood. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. still coming in 2018 at some point. We've got about five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's coming. Um, but so they're in surgery, Connor and Ava, and April kind of pops in to be like, oh, like your latest scans are like being uploaded right now. And he asks her to let Robin know that he's going to miss their coffee date. And then Becker makes this comment. She's like, the last thing Robin needs today is rat disease. And then, you know, Connor still does not appreciate and yet another one of her comments because why would he because she's a bitch and i hate her <laughs> she's just like it's just like so unnecessary she's like yeah that's the really the last thing robin needs today is to be dealing with rats like it literally has no stop connor does a really good job of ignoring her this episode though like he like, yeah she'll say things and he just doesn't say anything yeah he does, he does a really good job of like not letting her get to him yeah, and then, so they're still, like, they actually get in the OR, and she makes another comment about Robin, asking whether or not he was sure that Robin was actually ready to return to work, and, well, first of all, it's not her place to ask, because she doesn't even know Robin, because literally, does probably has never even met her, so, stupid, and, but, like you said, Connor ignores her question, and, like, continues to kind of the only talk they have in the OR to be about the surgery that they're doing. So Connor has a 30 minute break while Becker's finishing her part. So he leaves to go find Robin. And it took me a second. I had to go back and rewatch that scene because at first I was like, why is he like, is he like that upset that he's just like leaving Becker to finish his surgery? And then I realized that like, Oh, he like doesn't have anything to do for 30 minutes and then like he can like actually leave. But I was just so confused at first. I was like, why is he leaving in the middle of surgery? Like this is stupid. Um, there was also a moment when when he leaves that she turns to like whoever else is in the room with her and she's like, he's going to see his girlfriend. I'm like, dude. Yeah. Dude. No. So it's- if Doris is Regina George, 
I'm going to say that Ava is... Katie. Caddy. Yeah. Yeah. We can go with that. Because she's a backstabbing bitch. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so there's not a whole lot of, like, Robin by herself. There is some Robin by herself stuff in this episode. And so Robin, when Robin is in her office working on researching the lepros, whatever, um, the rat disease, um... You know, she hears some noises in the ceiling and she thinks it sounds like the rat she heard the first time when she started experiencing all her sight problems. So she has a, like a panic attack and she just kind of rushes out of the office and like shuts the door and kind of is trying to calm herself down just in time for Connor to kind of come around the corner and like comfort her and like be there for her. Um, and so Connor, presumably, I mean, we don't see the him telling Reese about it, but he tells Reese about it. And the two of her, like, encourage her to go get this MRI. And she's hesitant, but Connor tells her, you know, this actually could be a blessing in disguise. Um, But, I mean, in the end, the MRI came back clean. So there was nothing really to worry about. It wasn't Robin experiencing, like, side effects of her tumor. Um, But so back in the OR, Connor has to go back. And they're trying to finish up the surgery. But there's, like, a slight complications with the patch on I don't know if it's the lung or the diet whatever there's a patch and they have some complications with it um and so it allows them to basically not be able to finish the surgery but somehow Becker and Connor figure out a solution and actually work together and I said this is Hanukkah miracle number two this like holiday season um but yeah they actually somehow figure out how to work together Somebody in the OR also makes the note. He's like, look at you two working together like Jordan and Pippin. I'm like, yeah, nice Chicago sports reference. I see that. Very nice. I didn't even notice that. What the hell? How did I miss an NBA reference? I know. You're the basketball person between the three of us. I know. How did the fuck did I miss an NBA reference? God damn. <laughs> you must have not been paying attention. Is this like one of those moments where I make a reference to something and you're just like, what? Like, maybe that was it? <laughs> you just didn't catch it? I don't. How the fuck? Jeez, I'm going to go watch that as soon as we finish. Um, anyway, and so, you know, patient ends up being okay. They think, you know, they get him out of surgery. He's going to be fine. Um, so after they share the news with the patient's father, the good news, you know, they step out of the hall into the hallway and they're having a conversation. And Becker, she's, I don't know why she's not in her right mind, clearly. She suggests that they should get a drink together to celebrate their success and like the good day that they had. And Connor just, again, he ignores her, but he just kind of gives her this, like, odd look, like, what the fuck did you just say? And, like, he's just like, good night, Dr. Becker. But, like, is she cray or is she cray? It's not that she's cray. And I thought about this after the scene happened. She's not cray. It's just that she's going to, like, take her Ava tendencies from work now onto him. Like, they're probably going to go in the direction of, like, her having the hots for him. And she's going to go all Ava about it and just throw herself at it full force. I just came up with a theory. Okay, what if the reason... So what if that happens? So Ava throws herself at him. And then Robin finds out and or sees it actually happen. And that's what breaks them up. Not her psych. Not her, like, tumor, like, freak out. Maybe. I hope that's not... I, uh, I hope that's not what breaks them up. and I uh, Or breaks them up. And I hope that if, like, that is what breaks them up, then Dr. Charles freaking, like, punches him. Yeah, give him a little one, two, you know. How many more episodes is she in? I don't know. I don't think they actually ever said how many 
she was going to be in. I don't know. I know Jeff said that she would recur, but I don't know if that was like throughout the season or just a certain number of episodes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we ever got like an official number, but. I don't want them to break up. I like them together. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like everything they've kind of set it up for, it almost seems inevitable at this point. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to be sad when it happens. He better not hook up with Ava. Dear God, I hope not. Mm. I don't know. It's worse than Severide hooking up with Hope. By like tenfold. I was going to say, I'm not sure which couple I don't want more. If it's like Upton and Halstead or connor and ava like oh god two ships i'm vehemently against i have to say halstead and upton just because i have much more invested personally in halstead like as of my favorite but like ava and connor is right up there because i hate ava like i like upton i just don't like them together yeah but i hate ava Ugh. It's frustrating. Connor maybe does handle it pretty a, well, though. Maybe we should make a Twitter poll. Yeah. Who would you not want to see more? Ava and Connor or Upton and Halstead? We could do, like, the reverse of what the One Chicago accounts are doing right now, where it's, like, a ship war of, like, who you like the most. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do who do you not want together. Well, this is who we like the least, so take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um And so basically the episode ends with Connor and Robin going back to her office so they can drop off some files and before they like leave for the night. And it turns out there's like a maintenance man in there. And the it turns out though that the noises she was hearing was just really a faulty valve with the heater and there's no rats and the problem's now fixed and her office is fine. So it wasn't her having psych side effects. It was the heater all along. And that's how the episode ends. It was pretty good. It was a really good episode, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, what are your guys' thoughts on how... I don't think it's the mid... I don't think we should call it the mid-season finale, because it's not... I mean, it's been four episodes. It's not a mid-season finale. It didn't finale. really leave off on a cliffhanger, either. Right. It's. I don't think it's their mid-season finale. My guess is still that their mid-season finale is going to be... when Whenever they end for the Olympics, like, that's when they'll, like, leave us on a cliffhanger. Um... But, yeah, I mean, it was still, like, a good solid – I mean, it is the last episode we're going to get for a couple of weeks. But it was it was a good solid episode. I liked it. Yeah, it was really good. I – like, even between my uncontrollable fits of laughter, I was still like, this is really funny, but it's really good. Like – Yeah. Yeah, I find – like, I'm, I'm starting to find that I'm, like, getting way more invested in med now. Like, I, I feel like I'm on a med kick lately. And I don't know. Yeah, I'm just I'm on a med kick because maybe because everything's like kind of peachy over there. It's like it's all dark and horrible on PD and then fire. Poor Ramon's been bleeding out for like a month now. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I'm excited for all of them to come back in the first week of January because this is it, guys. I mean, we're going to release two more episodes next week for our fire pilot rewatch and our PD pilot rewatch. But this is it. Like, for new stuff of, for 2017. That's true. It's crazy. So crazy. Yeah. Um, but that's it. Yeah, that's everything for 304 of Med. 
Um, as always, you can find us on every social media platform, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, meet us at Molly's. Um, you can email us your thoughts, especially, I mean, even if you want to do it after the rewatch, the like live tweet rewatches, or even just like, if you want to rewatch it on your own, please send us your pilot thoughts for fire and met or fire and PD. We'd love to include them in our episode. Um, so make sure you email us those at meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Um, or you can tweet them to us either, like I said, at Meet Us at Molly's is our account, or you could tweet them to us individually. Um, I'm at Brina K13, Gina. I am at Gina Watches TV. And Ashley. I'm at Ashnick095. So yeah, make sure you send us all your thoughts on the Fire Pilot and the PD Pilot. We want to hear them. We really do. Especially because it's been, I mean, what, Fire premiered in 2012. Yeah. So it's been over five years since the pilot, like, first aired on television. That's crazy. And what, PD aired in 2014, like, in January? Something like that. So it's been over, like, three and a half years since that one aired. So, yeah, it's been a while. But as we watch season season one of PD has been played on TV, like, every week. Right, yeah. So it's been maybe less, like, far back in people's minds. But the fire one... There's a lot of stuff that happens. We're going to have a lot to talk about, guys. For real. Yeah, they're such little babies. Like, I started rewatching the fire pilot the other day, and I was like, oh. Babies. These little children. Literally. But, yeah, so until this is happening. I, like, have to think to myself, okay, this is coming out on Friday. So until next week, when we do our fire um, pilot recap, um, yeah, have a great week, and Keep enjoying your holiday season and all the festivities that are going on. And we'll talk to you guys then. We'll tweet Bye, on everybody. Sunday. Well, oh, yeah. Live tweet on Sunday. Just check the social media. Keep up with everything we're doing. Um, but, yeah. Until then. Bye, everybody. Have a great week.